Hello and welcome into the Conifer Community Church Podcast. My name is Wesley Humes. I am your host for this episode, and I'm so excited to be joined here today by a few friends. Uh, first of all, if you want to contact us here at the podcast, don't forget that you can email conifercc at gmail.com, and that will go to our incredible uh, admin, Donna Prescott, and she'll be able to... Um, forward on any of those emails. You can also contact me at Wes at conifercc.org. No, I'm at Wes at conifercc at gmail.com. My bad. There's a lot of different things. So I'm joined today by a special guest, a true friend of mine. Her name is Raquel Manel. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here. One of my good friends. Um, She is from down the hill, and Raquel, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, so go for it. Um, for those of you who are listening, this is a good friend of mine, and we will be able to move forward as we go forward. Cool. Uh, how early do you want me to start? You want to start, like, childhood? Was it a cold wow, night? Wow. Yeah, yes, was like, it a cold night on a winter's evening? Oh, you know, actually, the Earth, Wind, and Fire has a song for my birth. Do you remember... The 21st night of September. Okay, but in, you're asking for seriousness. Um, I'm originally from Virginia Beach, Virginia. I moved out to Littleton, technically Colorado, um, in August of 2016 to obtain a master's in clinical mental health counseling, which is where my lovely friend, uh, Wesley Samuel Humes, uh, Where she met. met an incredible person. Yes, yes. Uh, came into her life, a.k.a. myself. Awesome. So The one and only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then um, finished up school. Uh, then pretty much immediately got a job and started working with families and children in a community-based setting. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I do counseling. On my work days and on my days off, I you put up with me. Is that what is that what you're trying you. to say? You're trying yes, to counsel. Yes, yes. Twice. Um, one quick question for you: What was your favorite class in seminary as you were studying all the different mental and clinical things that went along with uh, becoming a counselor? What was your favorite class, and what and Two for two for one. What was your most relevant class as you have come into um, actually being a counselor? Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, I would say I have one answer for both because they address both of them. Well, I guess I can put two two answers. So one of them is social cultural. Um, just really it's getting into the nitty gritty of personal identities, um, cultural, racial um, identities, family of origin, all of it. It encompasses the whole thing. Um Additionally, family systems, so marriage and family work. Again, the work that I do is primarily with families, although I'm coming in uh, working with the kids or the kid. um, I'm working on a systems perspective. Systems meaning just like I'm working with the family unit. Yeah. Hey, thanks for teasing that out because I was about to ask you. Like, hey, for those of us who don't know what What that is. What is a system? Um, well, hey, thank you for being here with us today uh, as we record. Um, 
So the big topic of today is going to be technology and how we are navigating that with our students. That's why we brought you in, Raquel, was because you're a counselor down the hill. You work with teenagers, you work with youngins. And how do we, um, how are we interacting with technology? So if you could turn back in your mind, um, back to February of 2020, before COVID quarantining and lockdown and Zoom meetings became the regular, what do you, how do you feel like uh, students interacted with technology as they moved forward um, in a time before COVID? Before COVID. Yeah, I think so. I guess part of me wants to address the before and the reality of now too, right? So we are very, very dependent, adults and kids currently, um, on technology. And I think there is arguments and there is research around technology use as a whole before. I am fascinated to see what's going to come after all of this, but I would say restrictions, putting restrictions, putting limitations, um, the benefits of technology and how it uses, it brings um, connection and how it brings education and how it brings exposure. And then you've got the flip side where it's like the harms and the dangers of technology. Yes. So I don't know if any of that, those discussions necessarily changed. I think what has probably been the most um, significant thing is everybody is now using technology more than they needed to. Like even within my field, some of the dialogue was, oh, should telehealth be used? Are, you know, there's some restrictions around, can you really keep people's um, information confidential in that format? And now it's like, no, we're seeing the need actually to, con to connect with people. And so we're now having to navigate maybe some waters um, that we felt uncomfortable about because we're seeing the benefits outweigh maybe some of the, the harms of technology use. Cool. So one thing I want to stop, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think it's something we have to get derailed by, but you use the term telehealth. And that is just, what does that mean for those that are listening to this and just don't know what that means? Yeah. So telehealth is a format of therapeutic, quote unquote, counseling services, but it's done through an online platform. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, I would also, you know, I agree with Raquel in a lot of different ways. As our resident youth pastor here at the church, I think the interesting thing was um, seeing how technology, while or or phones or online gaming and stuff like that that our kids are into, was more of a luxury. I want to say that word. Like, yes, they would use it for school. Um, you know, there's plenty of studies out there. So one of the things we found on NBC News, as we were researching for this, is that. Um, in 2018, a average student, um, so youth age, we'll say through high school, spends an average of seven hours and 22 minutes on a screen every day in a 24-hour day. And so I think the interesting thing for us in this conversation is it became from a luxury or a connective way that we use technology where we see our teenagers and our young people using technologies. I sound so old when I say young people. I really do. But um, to a, they needed it uh, to do school and these other works. And so I think it's interesting to see what is coming out of that. And so, 
yeah, like I know for, I can speak to my own experiences, but you being the guest, Raquel, um, what do you feel like you've seen as COVID has changed and as technology has become more and more important uh, because of whether it's online school or whether it's, hey, I want to FaceTime my friends because I don't get to see them anymore or whatever the case may be. How have you seen that or do you have any data that kind of can speak to the reality that we're in right now? Yeah. Um, so I want to read something from, I mean, this is a statistic just from, um, what is it called? The United, oh gosh, let me see. Compelling podcasting mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. as she pulls it up. Um, but yeah, I think when it, while she's pulling that up, I think the interesting thing that even I saw as we did Bible studies over the summer, so I'm just going to jump in while you look that up, was the deadness that it felt like kids were coming to. Um, kids were being a part of our Bible studies and they were being active. However, there was definitely a big not miss, but there was definitely some challenges whenever we looked at, hey, what are their eyes telling us? How interested they are? How interactive are they? Or do they just almost like a reality TV show like Big Brother? They just kind of have their screen up and they're kind of just staring off into left field. Um, Because I think there's there's that hardness because there's been a couple studies done of why Zoom was so exhausting for us, and it's because uh, unconsciously our mind and our eyes have to work harder to pick up on details that we have. And so um, I thought it was interesting as we kind of progressed through the summer and we're making some decisions about the fall that I, I started noticing that of where kids were on Zoom all day and then they would come to Bible study on Zoom that it was just exhausting for them. Um, and there was a true, like, you know, many of you can who are listening can empathize with the fact of like you get done with a day of work and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so drained. But I, I don't even feel like I've done much. It's like one of those lazy Saturdays where it's like yeah. I have done nothing and I am extremely I tired. Well, uh, and there's screen fatigue, right? So yeah. that's what you're talking about. It's like there's a different level of engagement when you're face to face. There's energy that's given and taken during that exchange. You talk about like multiple screens being open at one time. Like currently, how many screens are we surrounded by just by filming this, right? There's multiple <laughs> screens many. that are open. <laughs> and it's like, so then you 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 talk about like the increase of screens because now it's a necessity. It's not just the luxury. Yeah. And there's not a break that happens where there's an intentional face-to-face, face-to-face connection. People are getting fatigued. People are getting irritable. Anxiety is increasing. Depression. Like you talk about all of those things. They're continuing to increase. But what I was trying to find. Um, so there's an organization for children. Um, and they have a lot of just research. They have a lot of really good just articles and um, resources. They also have. Um, yeah. It's, it's basically children's statistics. But what they say, I'm sorry, I like have it open and then it's closed. Some 99% of the world's children are living with restrictions on movement because of COVID. Okay. Some 99%, just like letting that sit in. 60% live in countries under full or partial COVID lockdowns. And then 1.5 billion children are out of school. 
So, like, yes, those are numbers, but even what you're talking about, Zoom connections, those are part of those clustering of kids that are experiencing that, of, like, this displacement. And they're like, oh, shoot, like, what I know of the job that I do when working with families is safety and stability. Environmental stability are really huge in meeting kids' needs. So then when you talk about a global pandemic and that disrupts the family system, it's like, oh, shoot, mom and dad, caregivers, whoever is in the, you know, that parental role, they have to find some sort of stability even to be able to then extend some of that emotional connection to their kid. Um, so I think, I guess on a practical level, March, I think March 15th or 16th was like my first yes, day of... Of COVID? Well, strictly online um, format where I was connecting with families and kids through counseling I think on you're, a screen. I think you're right about that because not a big deal. That's when I took my orals because I think it was a Friday oh, yeah. the 18th. Mm. Not a big deal. That's whenever I finished uh, seminary. So yes. big day in my life. It was a big day in your life and a lot was disrupted for you, right? So then when you talk about us as adults experiencing the disruption and the losses of having to reorient ourselves and then trying to then provide support for kids that literally are having to, on the fly, figure out how to do this. Technology, again, coming back to the conversation around technology, is like, okay, maybe we were super adamant about, like, there's limitations and the restrictions and this is what needs to be had. And it's like, well, actually it's a lifeline for us now. So now we actually have to like find a balance within our family of like, how are we navigating these waters? You know, that's interesting that you bring that up because of it, it became a necessity and it felt like there was a change even within my own, my own life of like, Hey, what am I willing to almost sacrifice? Cause there's so much else going on in my life that, hey, maybe I am going to play a little more video games in this time. Because um, I can think of one of our parents here who they added an extra TV into their home, which they normally only have one TV, but they added a second like video screen monitor so that their teenager was able to play uh, video games more excessively because of understanding the stress and the ability to also connect with their friends online. And I thought it was one of the interesting things of a question that we've been kind of dancing around is how are our kids reacting and how are not just like if we can step outside of ourselves, but how are our, you know, not just our people, but how are our students reacting and love to hear how your thoughts are because we have a little bit different context here in the mountains and I'll share that in a minute um, towards what our personal kids are doing. But what do you, what are you seeing down in your area? Yeah. So I technically work in like northern northeastern parts of Colorado, um, Denverish area, and it, again, what I'm going to reiterate is the families, families as a whole have been hit hard. So again, I'm I'm using the lens of system work just because I work with families. Yes, the kid might be blowing out, which. That's some of the language that I use. Are uh, we uh, <laughs> are we talking about diapers right now? Because I've heard blowout used in a diaper yeah, format. Yeah, yeah. Is that what's That's happening? A technical term there. They're blowing um, out of their diapers. So no. teenagers are wearing diapers now. I didn't know that was a cool fad. <laughs> that does not come to the mountains no. yet. 
what I am saying is, so by blowing out, that could be a, a kind of a, a variety of things. It could be they're blowing out in that they're internalizing things. They're not engaging as much. I mean, you were talking about how some of your kids were like glazed over, but they were still on the Zoom, right? Yeah, that's um, exactly how it was. So some parents kind of reporting, uh, hey, my kid is saying that they're th- when we're scaling um, on a depression scale, like it's actually higher for them and they don't know why. Um, or, hey, my kid is more irritable now. Like I don't understand why they're more irritable. They're more aggressive. Um, I feel like that's that's been the consensus the consensus across the families that I've been working with is there's an increase in some of the behaviors that I was normally seeing in some of these homes. And there was an increase across the family. So it wasn't just the kid. It was actually now the caregivers in the home were now, I'm more irritable. I'm more Yeah, I can see that. Especially with different home responsibilities of people losing jobs or any type of... um, work issues or just the fact of, you know, Colorado is a very busy place. Like we do things, I would say, if you're not from here, one of the interesting things that I've found is people define themselves not by what they do for work, but what they do for fun. Um, so if you ask somebody, hey, what do you do? They will answer, oh, I'm a, I'm a paddler. I am a mountain biker or I am some type of ski instructor or something like that. And so there's this big change that happens where people are more focused here about what they do for fun and how they're defined by that. In a lot of ways we were, you know, we lost that joy uh, during this time of COVID. So, yeah, I think one of the interesting things of like when you describe this blowout, I think we've seen that a little bit here, but I think in the mountains where I've seen a lot of students become more, invigorated might not be the right word, but uh, definitely more intentive is being outside. Um, And so hiking has become more as a uh, part of their everyday lives. They're outside taking walks with their families. I saw an interesting meme right at the beginning of this where we saw there was, it was a picture mental meme. If you could draw it for me in your own head right now. But uh, the top was people before COVID sitting on their phones and sitting in a circle like out to dinner. And then during quarantine, it was a bunch of people being outside and being athletic and going for parks and runs and families were going for walks. And I would say that's actually pretty true of at the very beginning of this pandemic, it seemed like everybody was intentionally trying to figure out ways to exercise Um, to be outside, to be off their phone and not just watching Netflix for uh, 17 hours a day. And so I think that was a interesting reality that we got to see play out. Here's the change, though. Now that we are not in March, but we are in October and you guys are hearing this in November, how is that also changing us? How are we, the individuals, how are we the people going through our times now, how are, now that we have established that people are going back to work, masks are a real thing, how are we starting to still see our fight for um, connection, our fight for fun, and our fight for overall health, um, not only for ourselves, but for our students? And so, yeah, I, that's just an open-ended question, and maybe we'll come back to some application pieces but there was one thing you said um, 
through that last conversation, Raquel, and I thought it was important that we kind of talk about the idea of anxiety and how much anxiety and stress that kids are undertaking as they're being on the phone or being on a screen. So it's not just phones, it's screen too. Um, how are they influenced by that? Um, and I have an interesting article from Times Magazine that was um, written um, in 2018 on a study that was done there. And the interesting thing, so at the very top of the article, it says that young people uh, who spend seven hours or more a day on a screen are more than twice as likely to be diagnosed with depression and anxiety than those who screen times screen times for an hour a day. Um, how do we bal- how do we balance that? Um, how do we balance what our kids are going through um, and not just necessarily in the anxiety and the stress spaces right now? But yeah, how do we how do we go through that? Because it seems like there's always this. It's not it's not an easy question, but I feel like it's one that's worth having a conversation over. So how do we how are we dealing with that? Or what are your thoughts towards like how kids are going through stress? Yeah. Um, well, okay. So the study was done in 2018. I, I think something that I had said earlier was I am going to be really, really interested to see like a longer, um, the term would be like a long to a longitudinal study of like how the longevity of, of watching um, kids specifically interact with the increase because now we're saying technology we recognize there's harms to technology use right over extent uh, right and there's also benefits we're seeing how it's connecting people um, I think I would argue that it would be interesting to see in 10 years what would following some students now elementary, middle, and high schoolers following students and their use of technology use and what are the long-term effects, psychological impacts. Um, I'm not, not that I'm not interested in the short term because I think that's really, really important. But I think when I, when I think about research and the longevity of watching the use of something, I wanna see the long-term impacts. So right now, as a nation, I think mental health issues have been very, very rampant. Um, there are other things that are happening in tandem to the pandemic, right? There's a lot what? of What? That hasn't happened. There's what? a lot of dynamics. There's a lot of things that are happening. And when you talk about not being able to connect in the same way, having to be creative about that. Like, I really appreciated that you even highlighted yeah, I saw families being intentional about getting outside, connecting in different ways. And that's that has to be intentional. That does not just happen. Um, so I'm not trying to, like, skirt the question. I am just trying to say I like to be informed by things that are happening over a longer period of time and still addressing the needs right now. As a nation, definitely for our students. Um, and I think some of those things is around awareness. Some of those things are, is around setting some, um, I guess, talking about access to resources. 
um, within your community, talking about just natural connection points, um, talking about establishing a schedule, something as simple as establishing a schedule of like, this is screen time because we need to, in addition to like, this is face-to-face connection time. Yeah, and I think I even see that come out in uh, our side conversations. So me and Raquel are friends, but we've been going through this starting in August is when I started uh, but I was doing a workout program called 75 Hard, and I'm actually on the 75th day that we we're starting this. And I think the interesting part of it was it gave me a time, it gave me um, space to reflect, but it also gave me exercise. I think that's one of the interesting things that we're seeing in the middle of this pandemic is how vital exercise and being out and getting those functioning our legs and you know, burning through some calories and just seeing that chemical happening in our brains of, you know, relaxing us and that being a stress relaxer. Um, Even if we're doing that as a family, I've seen, you know, I'm talking about the walks, but I've also seen families start to do many different things within a idea of, hey, we're going to do these things together so that we can create and grow in our own understanding of what our family needs to survive. Um, and that's where like during the summer, whenever it was easier to get out here in the mountains, I would take our students to go exercise. Cause I saw this rampantness that Raquel was talking about just, of yes, of just, uh, anxiety and, um, uh, people going to their vices because during the pandemic, um, suicide and drug overdose was through the roof. And, you know, I think one of the interesting things that kind of got released a couple uh, weeks ago, but has not really got grabbed a hold by our whole news source is just how rampant suicide is in this time um, for our students. Because, you know, one of the interesting things that USA Today put out was that one in five students and then one in four young adults have considered or thought about suicide during this um, time of the pandemic. And so I think it's interesting that our anxiety and our depression that correlates with our screen time is also really shown in the studies that are being uh, produced about how we individually are. And yeah, like, do you have any comments with that, Raquel, or any experience, not experiences, but just how you have seen other people battling, um, I'm going to call them inner demons for the lack of better term right now, but just either mental illness, depression, or even, um, Yeah. I think, again, because I'm a family, you know, that's going to always be my my lens. It's really um, disconnecting from the screen intentionally and checking in face to face. Um, And those have been some of the most powerful interactions that I have seen. Even facilitating that through a screen, ironically, of connecting with families and saying, are you both in the room? Are your are your screens turned off, right? Are your were the screens you know identify the screens in your room? Are they turned off, and can there be a face face to face connection? Um, because when you talk about accessing natural resources or supports, it's like people people need to know that you care, and part of reinforcing that is you're not distracted in the way that you're providing the care. So I think that's going to be even more vital as we continue to navigate the waters of COVID, pandemic, technology use is 
How do we disconnect intentionally to connect or reconnect? Ooh, I like that. So let's go into that a little bit. So disconnecting to connect. Um, that idea, what you know, I've I've seen some things that have happened in our own our own place here at the church of seeing like board games becoming a big thing. They'll be playing Monopoly or they'll be processing different things. We have a lot of hunters here in this area, so maybe they'll process meat together um, or different things like that. Would you see that as a vital thing of like maybe finding a family activity, whether it's a puzzle, um, whether it's, you know, going for walks, exercising together? Is that, is that something that you would see and be like, hey, it's hard. Like, let's not, let's not say that it's not. We don't want to pretend that it's going to be an easy new adaptation into our lives. But is it something that you see as beneficial? For sure. So, like, when I think of attachment and how people just connect, the study of attachment talks about play being really, really important when it comes to, like, couples, families. Like, play is a vulnerable and connective activity. And what do you mean? What do you mean by play? Are you I just mean literally playing? I mean like getting the board games out, like you said, getting Uno, and just sitting again away from undistracted time. And I think what I want to point out is the challenge might be there are other things that happen in life that are pulling us. There's other responsibilities. There are other thing, other roles that we need to be pulled into. So to have family connected time or even just that one-on-one connected time with a student, you have to you have to plan that out. Yeah. It doesn't just happen willy-nilly. I haven't seen it just happen willy-nilly. If it does happen willy-nilly, in my experience, it only happens occasionally versus a intentional, you know, hey, from we're going to eat dinner and we're going to play a short board game mm-hmm. or something of that nature. Yep. And actually, the families that I work with, what I typically try to tell them is you already have a a rhythm or some sort of routine set in place. I'm not trying to add more to your plate. What I am saying is with the rhythms that you naturally have in place, where is a little space for an intentional connection? And maybe that starts with by saying like once a week for 15 minutes, I'm going to intentionally connect in this way. Um, I think a lot... A lot of what I try to use for families is our morning routines and nighttime routines. So, like, can morning routines, can you guys sit down and have a meal together? No, we can't. It's too hectic. Okay. At night, can dinner be had at the table? Maybe it's 10 minutes is all that everybody can tolerate. Can you sit at the same dinner table? And can there be connection questions? So, we do that a lot. So, two things. One, as we have seen... Um, this was, this is an outdated stat. I don't know what it is now in the time of COVID, but, um, generally parents with students, so youth ministry people are only having one meal together a, a week. And so they say it's Sunday nights usually is the time when parents and students will have their only meal as a complete family unit will be together. It will be once a week. Um, so fight for the dinner table. Uh, fight for that time to be together, even if it is 10 minutes. But one of the things we do in small group is uh, I call it um, highs and lows. And so we go through and actually challenge our students to be vulnerable with their peers of saying, hey, this was the best part of my week, and this is the low part of our week. 
That is so wild that you would bring that up as far as like even doing that within our sh- within family units so we can be even more honest and available for our families. Yeah. And I think part of the other side of it, I want to say this isn't to shame families that haven't mm-hmm. been able yes, to connect, 100%. Right? Like this is really, really challenging. I don't know anybody that's ever done this before as far as like trying to figure out how to like orient themselves, how to provide yeah. the support for their families. That's a lot of challenge. And then when you talk about a student that's never been through a global pandemic in this way, they've never had to navigate this. Or adults who have never been through a global right. pandemic. And the adults that are then supposed to offer the support to these students that are like, I don't even know what I'm doing. There's grace to be extended. I think this is more to say like how within your already existing schedule, however chaotic it might be, is there a space for connection? And I'm like I said, starting really small, maybe that's 10 to 15 minutes once a week. But can it be consistent? Um, can it be agreed upon? Who's that person that you need to connect with? Yeah, because I'm even thinking of this of a long picture. Like if you if you took, I'm going to say an hour because it makes it easier for me, uh, once a week, it's actually only 52 hours. So you're, you are intentionally spending two days and some change uh, with your loved ones, which doesn't, you know, it sounds funny to be like, ah, oh, man, I want to spend more than just, 52 hours with the people that I love, whether it's wife or children or husband and children. But it's the reality of, are we taking intentional time? Undistracted. Ooh, undistracted. Right? Undistracted intentional time. So I think that rolls us a little bit into landing the plane, seeing an application come through. What do you, what would you say if you, yeah, somebody comes to you, one of your family units comes to you and says, hey, what is our way we're noticing um, our kids are on on screens all the time. We notice that they're just more irritable. We, I've seen it in myself. How, how, what are some practical steps that you would take um, for your, your kids? Yeah. Um, number one, I would say scheduling. Um, what does everybody in the house's schedule look like? To know that with detail, I think that's really, really going to be important. Don't you don't have to be rigid with your schedule, but I think to have something and a visual. So like with that schedule, something that is a visual for everybody to see. Okay, this is we've agreed upon the schedule. This is like kind of there's a fluidness that happens within this, but this is the schedule. I think the reason why that's going to be important is then when you talk about having an intentional connection time, realistically within the demands of any given day. How then are we going to slow down together to connect? Um, those are honestly, that's like the building block. That's where I always start with my families. Because I'm like, when I talk, then when you talk about like the emotional needs, the emotional, the physical, and then maybe even like the mental health needs, it's like you can't even meet that person's needs if you don't slow down enough to actually connect with them. Yeah, that's huge. I think for me, it would be, um, you know, I'm I'm a champion of exercise. So I think, uh, you know, going on walks together, um, the intentional time that we're talking about finding an open space here in Conifer, whether it's Flying J or uh, Myers Ranch, but finding a space where you are able to um, 
go and do a walk together or if it's even around your neighborhood or if it's even up and down your driveway because some people here in the mountains have really long driveways Mm -hmm. and they're like a mile long on a dirt path and so you don't really need to go anywhere phenomenal phenomenal well some people love it because they get their privacy Versus you and me who live in the city. and No privacy whatsoever. Nope. Yeah. Everybody's all up in our goodies. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing I would challenge or say is like, hey, let's have some intentional time to go exercise together. Not in a like sweating and like nostrils flaring and everything's like all grody and nice, but it's even like the play six, uh, play 60 that the NFL does where it's like, hey, we're just doing intentional 40 minute walks together twice a week where we just get to have conversation. Um, we, we leave the phones at home and we're literally just in this moment together. Yeah. And I think it's, it's something that can feel a little daunting for a lot of people, but also something that helps bring it in. So good. Bring it. Yeah. I think what you're bringing up is like the mental health meets like the holistic health. Right. So like, there's the mental, emotional, spiritual, the physical. And yes, movement minutes. I am all about them, especially for the little ones that are stuck to a screen. I love student or students. I love teachers that incorporate movement, yeah. even for the older students. Because it's like attention span is a challenge for adults. Again, when you talk about increasing the, the amount of time on the screen for educational pur- purposes movement and exercise needs to be incorporated in that too yeah that's so good Mm -hmm. well if you're still listening uh up to this point we're not here to also beat up on you as parents um you guys are doing the best that you can i think mine and raquel's heart throughout this whole conversation is just how to equip you and how to bring you into a little maybe a little bit more education maybe a little bit more like hey We've, we've both studied this for many years and want to bring in some help because uh, we want to be your friend. We want to be your people who are here. So, Raquel, if you have any last thoughts for your parents out there that are listening to this, what would you say to them? You know what? I appreciate that you that you um, brought it back to the parents because I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to scapegoat necessarily the, the students here, but looking at the system's work and how families have been hit hard during this time – it's just the reminder of, like you said, parents, you're doing the best that you can. Um, find the resources and the connection that you need so that you can be able to slow down and actually tune in to what your kids need. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you, Raquel, for being here. We're so excited that you came up and decided to spend some time with us. Um, we hopefully will have you back on another time. But to all those that are listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this was helpful. And don't forget to be with us as we move through the rest of the season and move forward. So thank you for your time, and we'll talk soon.